Today's episode of Peers to Peers is powered by Shopify, the leading global commerce company that's shaping today's entrepreneurial economy. What started as three mates in a coffee shop trying to sell a snowboard has ended in thousands of employees around the world, bringing over 1.7 million businesses to life. You could say Shopify is a peer to us and entrepreneurs around the world. So peers, if you're looking to start your own business, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Kidnor, founder of leading Australian podcast agency, The Peers Project, and your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite an inspiring millennial entrepreneur from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. For those of you who are new here and are tuning in for the very first time, welcome, welcome. We are so excited and grateful to have you. Have you ever known that something wasn't for you? Whether it was a new job or a new cause, you just knew deep down that you weren't meant to be there. That's how today's guest, Amna Akhtar felt when she dropped out of university after just one week, feeling pressured by her immigrant parents to take a more traditional path. Amna followed her heart and left her nursing degree behind, aiming to help people in a different way. Armed with her fighting spirit and access to Google and YouTube, Amna created Girl Dreamer, a non-profit organisation in the UK that's helping other young women of colour to achieve their dreams. In today's inspiring episode, Amna shares how her environment shaped her life, the issues with today's toxic hustle culture, as well as what can happen when you build the community you needed when you were younger. For those of you who haven't yet posted about our podcast on your socials, or if you're new here, please do take a screenshot of this episode right now post it to your Instagram story and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs and also help us on our mission to empower you all to pursue what you're most passionate about through entrepreneurship. Okay, peers, without further ado, welcome Anna. Amna, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. You know, you and I recently connected and when I looked into you and all of the amazing work you're doing in the nonprofit space and in entrepreneurship, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, well, thank you so much for finding me, for reaching out and for looking into me. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate being here. So look, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. Wow. Well, how much time do we have? Um, <laughs> so my name is Amna Akhtar. Um, I'm 30. I'm born and raised in the UK in the second city, second capital city, Birmingham. Um, I've literally lived here my whole life. Um, and in 2016, I set up a nonprofit organization with my best friend, Kiran Kaur. Um, and together since I think the past nearly five years now, we've, we've literally been on an immense journey, just figuring things out, trying to, in our own ways, change the world, um, and impact the lives of women of color around us nationally, locally, and now internationally. And yeah, it's been one heck of a journey. 
I can only imagine. And, you know, when I looked into your work, I was like, oh, I personally resonate with this as a woman of colour. But beyond that, I think just it's so incredible what you were able to do in over the last five years. And I can't wait to dive more into it. But before we do, I'd love to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing. And that is, what was it like growing up in in the UK? And, you know, what did your parents do? And how did this impact the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? Oh, wow. That is <laughs> um, one heck of a question. It's 7am here, by the way. Um, You're okay. doing well. Yeah. Um, no, I love I love that question. Thank you. Growing up in the UK, I'm not the best advocate for the UK, only because I, I hate the rain and I hate grey, the colour grey. Um, and the UK, I'm not sure if you know, it's like 360 days of the year, it kind of looks like that. Um, but yeah, I think growing up in Birmingham was, at the time I didn't realise, but it was a little... Um, challenging because of where I, I grew up. So I grew up in Borsley Green, which is um, one of the most deprivated areas. Um, and the schools I went to were very challenging. I faced bullying um, for nearly three years. Um, I, I kind of went through um, a lot, um, which involved self-harm, um, different types of abuse. Um, and it, it almost felt as though I didn't have anybody to talk to or to turn to. Um, and at that time, everything everything, and everyone felt like it turned against me. So I went inwards and at a very young age, at the age of like 13, 14. Um, and since then, I've, I've realised I'm, I'm a great introvert and, and, and literally I'm 30 now. So my whole life I've, I've learned how to be an introvert and how to turn that into my power. And I think being the youngest as well in my family, so I have four siblings in total. When you're the youngest, and be, and I have quite a big age gap as well uh, for my from, for my eldest sibling, it almost feels as though you have like five parents trying to oversee your lifestyle choices and everything from what you're eating, where you're going, what you're wearing. Um, and both my parents came here from Pakistan. My parents worked. Um, my mom was a, a sewing teacher, um, teaching like how to how to sew, um, and my 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 dad was a mechanic, and now he's retired. You know, to add to that, I feel like it it was challenging um, going back to my schools, my school journey, and then when I left at sixteen and I was ready to join college, I actually moved out from Borsley Green and we went to a very affluent area, and that was a complete shock for me in in the opposite way like sometimes when you go from the west to places like india and you have a massive culture shock for me it was the opposite um where i lived before it was extremely loud at any hour of the day even if it was like 2 a.m there were like people fighting outside there were like cars like honking all sorts right um but when we moved to this area it was literally pin drop silence everybody looked different from me and I was, <laughs> I was just not used to this. Um, so that took a bit of getting used to. Um, I felt like it was a good change. Um, I felt like it was the change I needed at that moment in life at 16. I was ready to turn uh, a page and start fresh in a new college with new people in a new environment. And I think at 16 is when I realized the, the impact environment has on somebody. Like all of a sudden, I my I started speaking differently, not too differently, but I noticed like a slight change. I started sitting differently. I started walking differently. I started wearing different clothes. And I wouldn't say that was like to fit in or be part of a certain crowd. It just, it just felt like a breath of fresh air. Um, and I, and I kind of took that on board and just ran with it. So yeah, I, I feel like since 16, I, I kind of turned that page and it's just been, you know, I've, I've been going since um, and and obviously dropped out from college. I'm not sure if you know, um, I, sorry, dropped out from university. Um, and in the first week, by the way, 
um, after being almost forced to go to get a degree because I need that magic graduation picture at the end, uh, ready for proposals and all sorts. But I, it, yeah, it, it's been it's been difficult. Certain parts have been difficult, but it's it's been a fun journey. Um, and and here we are. And here we are. Oh my goodness, Amna, your story is fascinating and I want to dive a bit deeper. So I think something that stands out to me is what you, t- what you said around environment and how environments can help shape us. You know, for those of us right now who are sitting in lockdowns and, you know, have been in the same environment for such a long time, for what feels like a decade, although it's only been, you know, 18 months, what advice would you give to us about finding ways to change our environment and then from there, you know, perhaps it isn't as drastic as what you experience, but to help then change ourselves and to become better versions of ourselves. What advice would that. you have? I love that question. I think I would say specifically to do with lockdown and the current situation around the world, which by the way, wow, I mean, the past 18 months have been something, um, to say the least. I think a lot of the time, and I'm finding this the more I have conversations with people, is that in the beginning, and, and, I, and I can see the pattern and how it's evolved. Like In the beginning, it was almost fun, the whole banana bread baking and doing this and doing that and discovering Zoom um, and playing games online with each other and doing the whole Netflix party Um And then there was a period where people just, it kind of hit them. And then they just were like, okay, I'm stuck. I can't leave my house. I can't meet my friends. I can't go out to socialize and and do my normal day-to-day things. Um, And I found that people were, some people were trying to run away from that feeling and escape from it. And some people who were extreme extroverts at the time just completely changed and they went inwards and they almost sat with themselves and sat with the situation and kind of looked at it in the eye and almost acknowledged its existence and were like, okay, well, if this is the situation, what can I do with it, with the current resources and abilities I have right now um, and the options that I have right now? And let's kind of make it work. So I know some people kind of put their life on pause and were like, oh, I'm going to turn 30 like I was. And we were like, okay, I'm not going to celebrate it this year. I'll celebrate it next year when the lockdown lifts. But, you know, who's to say the lockdown will lift in a year's time? I mean, I am rooting and hoping that it does. But, you know, you never know these things. And it's I feel like flexibility in in all situations is key. And it's key to protecting yourself as well. So as being as flexible as possible, I feel like it allows you to adjust with your, like we are mentioning the environment, no matter where you're placed or where you're put or whichever situation you're, you're placed in, you can adjust to that as, as easily as possible in the best way for you and, and the environment around you as well. Um, and I feel like with the lockdown, I mean, this is just my opinion, but I feel like we need to, definitely find the positive in it in 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 as much as we can given this the situation and uh, and make it work for us um i feel like being given the option to you know for some people work from home in your own environment and run at your own pace is a dream and many people have found that it it was um and they actually discovered i know a lot of like people in who work in corporate it was honestly a life-changing moment for them because doing the morning commute, having a shower, sweating on the train kind of thing, getting there, being dressed in a suit, in heels or whatever, having a complete, the complete opposite happen where you can work from like your, your joggers and like your lounge set and, you know, go for a run in the afternoon or have a shower um, at any given time in the day. It allowed for, like we're saying, that flexibility to be you, to be human and to almost prioritize life as well as work and not just work and then a bit of life from like 6 to 8 p.m in the evening um i feel like that just opened up completely for people so so true and i think you know us as entrepreneurs we've always kind of had more of that flexibility and that ability to 
to do what kind of we we need to do during the day. So I guess, yeah, giving that to our fellow, you know, corporates and whatnot has, has been amazing. I love what you said around looking inwards, you know, whether it is during the pandemic, the last 18 months, or when you were 16 and you were forced to look inwards when you made that massive transition, you know, how can we best look inwards? You know, and what do you think the value of looking inwards is? Another great question. Um, I think how we can look more inwards is by almost absorbing who we are as a whole. So sometimes I know people, they kind of mask their feelings or mask their emotions or mask their authenticity just to kind of fit into a moment or a situation or a vibe with their friends or a partner or any any circumstance or situation and i think to to look more inwards we need to start letting go of that and sitting with ourselves and and looking at ourselves in the mirror figuratively speaking like not always having to sit in front of a mirror but i think we need to spend more time with ourselves in genuine ways and not not in the pinterest ways where we're like uh, sitting there in an aesthetic place and having our like matcha coffee latte right next to us and having those instagram moments no i don't think that i think we even need to strip it down more and literally sit with our, our spiritual selves our soul selves and connect with ourselves more um, and enjoy that journey too and enjoy that journey of learning and discovering who we are i feel like throughout life we're always kind of told to put on this uh, invisible cape of oh you're a student or oh you're a, a lawyer or a doctor or an engineer or you're this or you're that you're always something that's other and I feel like when it's time to become more yourself or connect with you like I mentioned that 6 to 8 p.m window it's very small and two days for the for a weekend and I feel like our priorities are in are in different places in in this modern day and, and lifestyle that we're living in. For me, anyway, I feel like, in my opinion, we need to strip it back down and, and retreat to our human selves. Like we're here for much more than just working. We're here for much more than just existing. We're here to thrive. We're here to learn and enjoy the human experience. And I feel like the more we understand that, the more we can connect with ourselves and understand our purpose and even why we're here, why we were chosen to experience this life and what we can get out of it. So, yeah, I feel like kind of connecting with the human self more in genuine ways is is the way to to look inwards and connect inwards more. I've almost found this superpower where I can be in any situation and I'll be okay because it's that I've got that reserve inside me that I know and I know where it exists inside me. I know how to access that reserve. And if I'm in any crisis situation or any almost like a negative situation, I know within like, for example, I don't know, like an hour, three hours, I can pull myself out of that situation because I know my truth. I know why I'm here. I know all those bigger reasons of my existence. And when I kind of put that into perspective, it's like, oh, okay, nothing is too big enough to to kind of scare me or push me off my track. If I know why I'm here and I know what I'm here to do and what my existence means, everything else is okay. I mean, if you know why you're here, I'd love to know. I'd love to know why you're here. (laughs) Sure, sure. You know what? I'm always toying with this idea of what's my true purpose or, you know, I think I know what I'm passionate about and it's definitely having these kind of going deep within myself and then within others. That's definitely Mm. something I'm passionate about. I think to be honest with you, I'm still trying to figure out what my true purpose is. I, I think it's connected with definitely something to do with serving others, helping others. And, you know, similar to your mission of your non for profit, which I can't wait to start, you know, talking about soon, you know, those that look similar to me that, perhaps have been have not had the same opportunities though and and helping them in some way i know it's possibly connected to that but to be honest with you i feel like i'm still figuring it out and i often wonder if our purpose changes as we go through different seasons of life so yeah i mean i mean i'd love to hear your thoughts on on that or or we could move along whatever you yeah i i definitely agree i feel like 
when people ask that question, it's definitely always tied to purpose. Mm. And I've found that with as all the conversations I've had with people around existence and why are you here and like, what are you here to do? It is always tied with purpose. Um, and I feel like it's true. It's almost like, I don't know, there's so many different like versions of if we sit down and unpick and, and why we're here, I feel like there's so many different reasons to that. And, and mm-hmm. it can come culturally, religiously, spiritually. People have so many different understandings of life. And it's just so interesting as a topic to, to discuss and unpick and learn. And sometimes you hold a belief like, oh, I'm here to, I don't know, return back to the higher power or I'm here to do X or complete X job. Um, or I'm here to find my other half and connect with them. And then when you hear a different perspective from someone who's from a completely different culture or religion or spiritual background, it completely opens your eyes up to a whole other understanding. And you're like, okay, I did not consider that before, mm-hmm. but wow. Yes. Wow. That is like so true. And I think that's part of the reason why I love these conversations, you know, on the show we have, all of you amazing humans from everywhere, from the UK, from from India, from the US, from Oz, from Cambodia, wherever, you know, and I think for me at least, it's getting those different perspectives on it. It's just, I find it fascinating because it does challenge you and it makes you question what you think. Definitely. Oh, I love this. So I want to <laughs> go love this conversation. I want to go a bit deeper into your story. You know, so at 16, you had this massive kind of shift. Your surroundings and your environment changed who you were really at the core of it and probably made you become more of who you truly are. And then you headed to university. And as you said, within one week, you'd quit. You know, that's a very bold move, I will say. And I guess everything we've been talking about is very bold things, you know, owning your passion, owning your purpose. What was that time like for you where you made that bold decision to leave university and take the road less travelled? I feel like I made that decision before I even went to university. So I'm going to go into a bit of culture here. So as I mentioned, my parents are Pakistani um, and they came to the UK 60s slash 70s. It's interesting being like a first-gen immigrant. So you'd kind of look at it as, oh, so, okay, I'm 50% British, I'm 50% Pakistani, and I'm kind of navigating my life. But in my parents' eyes, it's now you're 130% Pakistani, and like you're a tidbit of British. But, you know, what do we do when we're, we're going into school and we're trying to assimilate, right? And we're learning British culture, British values, and then they don't align with Pakistani values, for example. And then it's like, no, no, you just do your school thing at school. And when you come home, you're 100% how you're supposed to be. And I mean, that is difficult in itself, right? And my, my brothers and sisters always say I, ha- I've, I have it easier because I'm the youngest. And by then my parents kind of relaxed more. But I mean, fair, like my sister, for example, who's the eldest, yeah, I can understand how and imagine how difficult it must have been for her. But I, I think that's where the first kind of difficulty came in knowing that, okay, from 8 till 3 p.m., I'm a different person. And then from 4 p.m. when I come home, I'm a different person. And there was always these two versions that the world wanted me to be. And then there was the version that I wanted to be. And when I was like a much younger, like secondary school, I got to be myself after midnight, like I would wait till everyone went to sleep and I'd stay up and I'd listen to music and I'd sit in my window sill, open the windows wide. And I know it's cold in the UK, but I would stay up to like 3, 4 a.m. and just listen to music on the radio. And that was when I genuinely felt like I got to be me and I got to connect with myself. And I didn't need other things, like I didn't need to watch a show or read a book I just wanted to sit there and listen to the vibes and watch the sky. And when I go back in my head to that moment, honestly, just it just brings me such peace. That was when I got to be myself. Going back to university now, when I finished college, I didn't get the best grades. And, and I don't know why, but for some reason, 
many brown people just think that their kids are going to go on to become doctors and the backup is engineering or something. One day, like a week before university starts, my parents are like, right, so you're going to study medicine, right? And I'm like, what? We've never discussed this ever before. I've never had tutoring. I've never done like the 11 plus. Like, where did you just pluck this out of? And they're like, no, well, obviously, no, none of your brothers and sisters have become a doctor. So you're our only hope now. So, right, so you're going to study medicine. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Um, and then they were like, okay, well, what are your grades? And obviously, then I had to share that. And they were like, what's this about? Like, why didn't you get good grades? And why didn't this? And why didn't that? And because they didn't understand the system, how GCSEs worked, how A-levels worked, how getting to university work and what you had to do like an interview or apply through UCAS for them it's just like make it happen go and make it happen mm -hmm. we don't know how to do it so you go and do it and I don't know how to do it because I've never <laughs> done it so I'm kind of learning on the job here and because it's not my interest I really don't care so I'm not really giving much enthusiasm and time and energy to it in a genuine way so anyway, I applied and I got in to do nursing, of all things, the thing that needs you to commit to it a thousand percent, because like you're dealing with people's lives here. So I got in to study nursing and I knew it was not me. I knew I was not here to be a nurse. Take my, hats off to, take my hat off to nurses around the world, honestly, amazing human beings. But it just wasn't for me. And my parents were like, right, good. Okay, as long as you get a degree and it's in something like medical, that's fine, that will do. So I started and it was Freshers Week. And the moment I even stepped into like the city that I went to go and study, in, I was like, no, this is not happening. I can't do this. And I knew then like if I was to, to just kind of settle and zip up my true authentic self, that I would lose myself. And I wouldn't be true to who my existence, coming back to that, why am I here? I knew this wasn't the reason I'm here. So I knew that I had to make a, a drastic decision and fast. So I just went up to my, my tutor and I said, I want to quit. And mm. she just looked at me. And have you watched the series Friends? Oh, love Friends. Right. Thank you. Okay. You know when Chan <laughs> Chandler wants to quit the gym? <laughs> And they almost just don't let him. And he's, and he's like, I want to quit the gym. And then they bring out Maria and they bring out all these different things to kind of keep him there. It was honestly like that. And then she made me feel so bad for leaving. She was like, do you know you've taken the space of someone who really wanted to be here? And I'm like, if only I could tell you, like, I don't want to be here to begin with and why I'm here. Like, please just somehow understand that it's much bigger than just me. It's my parents. It's my family. It's my community. They want me here. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I left and felt really crap after leaving. But then I didn't tell my parents for three months. So for three months, <laughs> I was faking going to university every day, like, imagining a script that I would tell my parents like almost like acting in front of the mirror like should I say it like this should I say it like that and I was genuinely scared I was like I don't know what they're gonna say or do I don't know like I, I, I still don't know to this day what the outcome would have been but had I have gone with one of the other options of telling them but when I did it took me three months to do it and every day I would pretend to go to university and when I did I approached my mom first and I kind of just was like, okay, I've really not been feeling myself lately. You may have seen like a dip in my personality and my like behavior and, you know, I've not been myself and I've been a bit down and I thought she'd be like, I haven't noticed. Um, but she was like, yeah, I, I've noticed a little bit. Is it, is it because it's winter and you hate winter? I mean, I was like, yeah, well, that's definitely adding to, to it, but I'm not happy at university. And I did tell you that this wasn't for me but you did want me to go and try it, and I have. And, you know, I've done three months, so it's I can't do it anymore. And then weirdly they were like, okay, uh, do you have anything in mind that you want to do next? And I just said, um, oh, wow, I'm having to think on the spot here because I can't just say nothing. 
And then I was like, yeah, you know, I really want to like make a difference in the world, just how doctors do, but in my own way. And, you know, don't worry about it. I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to smash it and I'm going to let you know how I'm getting along. And then, yeah, like they were okay with it. And then I let my mom tell my dad. And then um, we had a chat, but it was fine. It was actually much better than what I thought it would be. That was the story of how I how I left university. Wow. You know, I think... Oh, just so much of that. I was just chuckling along, you know, for our peers out there listening. You can't see me, but I'm sitting here chuckling. I think the reason for that is just because I just love the fact that you knew straight away, deep down, and you listened to yourself, although it did take you some time to figure it out and to tell your parents. For our peers out there listening who perhaps feel like they've been in a job that just they're just not enjoying or a career path that they're not a hundred percent like they don't feel like it's a hundred percent right or maybe they are at mm-hmm. university still and they just don't know if what they're doing is right for them what would be your advice on how to best tune in to yourself your true self and then act accordingly i would say do active quiet time with yourself that's not when you're in your bedroom, lying on your bed, on your phone quiet. That's like literally sitting quiet. And again, going back to that mirror, sitting with yourself in, in active silence where you're, where you're actively listening to things that are happening inside of you. And I'm like a strong believer in all the tools are within us. And you know, I hated that quote. I absolutely hated that because when I was younger, I was like, what does that mean? I'm sorry, like, you're just telling me it's in me. I can't literally climb down my throat and go inside and find where this is. Like, what are you talking about? Like, what are you saying? It doesn't make sense to me. And now I literally am an advocate for that. I think it's when you understand the meaning in between each of those words. You kind of read between the lines of that quote and you understand what it truly, genuinely means. You understand that. Literally everything is written within your body. Like it's, it's coded inside anything that you need, you can access from within. And I think if you have no idea what I'm talking about, it's obviously, and yeah, it's going to sound like how it did to me, but I, I please like go and go and read that on Google and keep reading it. And then even contact me and I will tell you how to decode that connecting with yourself is one of the best things that you can ever do because you realize almost as though you're watching a movie and you kind of feel those emotions like when you watch a horror film that you're scared as anything but there's nothing happening around you right now right but it's that emotion that we kind of build in our in our minds and in our bodies that we we begin to feel so when you're feeling a certain way like for example I'm feeling like I'm depressed at my job or you know, I hate my university course, or I hate this, or I dislike that, or I don't want to be in an in an environment that's, you know, just weighing down on me. At the same time, like you said, you can't, you don't know what to do with that information, or you don't realize that you hate it, but you're feeling the symptoms of, you know, not being happy, being depressed, and not eating that much, and not sleeping well. Those little symptoms that are happening is your body communicating that to you, right? So it's telling you, look, you're not sleeping well. Can you like listen to me? Like I'm literally waving you down and flagging you down here, but you're not listening. So going back to that active listening, we need to do more of that when we're in those situations because your body is trying to communicate something to you and it obviously doesn't speak the language of English or you know any other language that you speak it has its own way of communicating and i strongly believe that we need to learn that language so we can truly understand okay michelle you don't want to be here okay what are the symptoms right now i'm feeling x y and z okay let's take some time let's digest that let's even do a five-day tester of changing things up within that course or within that environment and if it still persists you know it's not for you and the more you sit with yourself, you also un- unpack and understand what is for you. It will come. Like that moment will come. For me, that moment came at, um, I would say it was like 1920, where I, I did leave university. I was trying my hand at other things and, you know, it wasn't happening and I was experiencing failure and I just thought, oh, like my, there's so much pressure. Like there's one pressure for me to make it for myself. 
But the added pressure of an audience that I didn't invite is watching me, like my family, my parents, my community, my friends. That's annoying me more. And, you know, if I just had that time to myself, I feel like I could have done it. But I think with the added pressure that people put on you and then the pressure you have on yourself, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not a good look. Talk us through your aha moment and how you navigated that time at 1920 where you had to figure it out. You know, was this when Girl Dreamer was born? And if so, how did the idea for Girl Dreamer come about? I had my aha moment when I was around 20. I started a brand and I ran it for around two to three years. At the time, I I thought I was going to smash it. Like I really put everything into it. And I think reason why I thought I was going to smash it more was because of like hustle culture mm-hmm. on social media. It was in the start right of it. And it was the, the, the beginning of when hustle culture was born. And it was like an aesthetic that you'd subscribe to. And like, yeah, like I'm going to sacrifice sleep and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And mm-hmm. you didn't do this or that because a lot more came with it than what mm-hmm. you'd see on somebody's Instagram post or somebody's YouTube video. And again, it goes back to that quote of don't compare your chapter two to someone's chapter 45, right? even though you're both posting at the same time and you both have things in common, it still doesn't mean that you're both in the same places. And I think I resonated with that a lot, but my aha moment came when I was beginning to do things like have my own business and I needed to be out for certain hours of the day and go to certain places. Like everybody in the UK knows London is like its own different country, right? If you tell people outside of the UK you're from the UK, they're like, oh, London, yeah, I'd love to visit one day. And I'm like, oh, that's great. Well, you can also visit Birmingham because I don't live in London. Obviously, having to go down to London um, quite a bit to be a part of like expo shows and go to meet people and attend conferences and network and do all that good stuff. For my parents, it was like, well, why can't you just do it from your bedroom? I was like, okay, if I could, I would, but I I can't do that. Um, and then they were like, okay, so it's 10 a.m. now, make sure you're back by about midday. And I'm like, just slight detail, it takes an hour and 30 <laughs> minutes to get to London. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Um, unless you're like private jetting me like and like doing something, it's like this isn't going to work. And I think it was that frustration. Like I was so angry and annoyed because quick story, I had an opportunity to go into sports professionally at a young age. I was obsessed with football. And then a scout came to my my primary school and was like, oh, I'd love to train her to play for England one day. And my PE teacher was like, okay, we're getting your parents in. We're going to let them know and then we'll sign you up and then you can train. And then my dad came in and was like, hell no, she's not running around in, in shorts on a, on a pitch with guys and the whole world watching her. Thank you very much. And then like took my hand and we walked out. And that happened two or three times in secondary school as well. So by that point, I'm just frustrated now. Mm-hmm. So And then I was like, okay, I want to be a policewoman. And they were like, no. I was like, oh, okay, I want to do forensic science. Like I love that kind of thing. Like, oh, no, you, you can't do that. So as you can imagine, at this stage, I'm just like, what is the point? Again, why am I here? If I can't do the things I love, why am I here? And then I I started learning more about NLP and law of attraction and all of that stuff at 1920 is when I started delving into that and learning about energy and how to manipulate it. And I was like, "Hmm, I'm I'm enjoying this. I'm, I'm gaining some powers here that none of my family know about. So I'm going to I'm going to actually use this on them. So first I learned how to protect myself. So when I was in situations where I was confronted by my family like, "Oh, you're not on the right path. Why aren't you doing this? Or why are you wearing that? Why why are you going here? You went out yesterday. Why are you going out today?" I learned how to not take that personally and it was a it was a them problem, not a me problem. And now this is all coming out on like social media like you see on all the top trending Instagram pages where you know, amazing brands are telling women of colour and just people around the world that, you know, protect your peace and learn your power and tune into this and do that. And that's something that I obviously literally went through a decade before and I learned through myself. 
Um, it's one thing when people tell it you online. It's another thing when you go through it yourself and you have to, you're kind of learning these things whilst you're going through them. I was just really frustrated and I thought, where am I supposed to go? Like, who can I talk to that will genuinely understand me and, and give a damn about how I'm feeling? For the life of me, I couldn't think where I would go. Like, literally, who? Like, I can't call child helpline because it's not that serious and I'm not a child anymore. <laughs> Like where's the next thing? Like it's not it's not life threatening, but it's 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 life threatening in a mental way. Like I'm I feel like I'm drowning here. And again, going back to that five parent thing where your siblings are much older and they didn't have it this way. They had to go to university, they had to get married. And because I was refusing a degree and marriage, because I was like, I don't want to get married either. And then they were like for real, like you actually, you're saying no to everything. Like you, so I was considered like a rebel just for wanting to have something different. So out of that frustration, I was like, I want, I wish there was like a community of people like me who are like dreamers and they're on their own journey, but nobody gets that journey, but they do. And that's all that matters. But imagine if there was like a community of us, like what would happen? And, you know, we'd be there for each other because we'd get the struggle, we'd get the challenges, we'd get the highs, we'd get the lows, and we'd have, like, laughs, and we'd enjoy life together, but we'd also give that solidarity and that support and that sisterhood to each other. And then slowly but surely, that's when Girl Dreamer was kind of in the in the making because every day I'd have those thoughts, like, I wish, I wish, I wish, and then I wish turned into... You know, it's happening. Incredible. How do we turn an abstract idea and want and desire into a business? If I could go back in time, because I obviously turned an idea into a business, Mm. I would say sitting with myself and understanding what my needs are, what my vision is, what my passion is. So before we kind of form a formal business plan, we need to form like that feeling inside of us. Like, how does it feel? How does it look? Almost how does it taste? How does it sound? We have to do that mental check within ourselves first. And the more you sit with that and that idea keeps circulating and orbiting around you, you'll understand that it's here for you. Like this is your like your calling moment. Um, and to kind of harness that and run with it, but not run with it in a way where, again, back to hustle culture, you're like, okay, within like three months, I'm going to make like 10 million pounds and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. No, I feel like we need to sit with it in a, in again, a genuine way where it's like, if I did X, it would make me feel this, which essentially would do this for the world or this for this group of people or etc. Those abstract ideas are very abstract when they come to you, like, I'm talking like there's psychedelic colours in there. (laughs) And sometimes it's hard to comprehend that and almost turn that into reality because it's so big. Like when you have a dream, like say, for example, my dream is to live on one of like the 90th floor in a Manhattan apartment. And currently I'm, I'm sitting here that's abstract and I'm like I want like this I want like that happening I want like parties I want to attend in the Hamptons and I want to do this and I want to be a part of that circle and society that's a big dream right and currently like I'm worlds away from that but it's turning those big ideas into small nuggets of information and almost having that in a digestible way where it's easy for you to comprehend and understand and turn into the next thing now. So turning a massive thing into like another massive thing is it's a bit impossible because you're so you're so small right now. Not in a in a negative way, but you're just you're just you right now. So taking that huge thing and and kind of turning it into small smaller things allows you to kind of manipulate what it is. And put it into a format that's understandable, not just for you in, with your current knowledge, but also for the world to understand as well. So I feel like turning those abstract ideas into a business is is genuinely just understanding what, what that calling is and what that passion is that's constantly entering you day in, day out. And, and you know, playing around with that and, and seeing how it feels, seeing what it, what it looks like to you and almost formalizing it in a way where it, 
if you did do this, you know, this would happen. If you, if I did pursue this, this, this would be an outcome and playing with that equation, um, until it feels right. And then, and then literally just wake up one day and go and register your company. (laughs) Tell us about the day that you registered your non-for-profit and you know, what was that time like, you know, after all the struggle, tell us a little bit about that day and what came after that. It's Michelle, it's honestly a funny story. (laughs) So Kieran and I literally one day woke up and we we worked in a in a co-working space in Birmingham. And we came in one day and we were like, um, so we know we're passionate about like impacting the lives of women of colour and we've been doing like mentoring and like after school extracurricular clubs with like teenage girls in, in inner city areas and we love that. So shall we open a company? And then she was like, yeah, we could do. Like, And then we were like, oh, okay, so what would we need to do to open it? Oh, okay. So we'd go into like company's house or something online. And then literally we just asked a friend, hey, um, do we register as a limited private company or as a social enterprise? Or... And she was like, yeah, I feel like you could maybe go for this option because like, you, you know, you can, you're open to government funding and then you can also make your own income. And we're like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. And literally, bought Girl Dreamer, found the domain online, purchased it. And when I mean, after that day, we did nothing for six months. Like, we were just like, oh, yeah. Like, so we bought a domain, we registered a company, like, good stuff. Like, amazing. Like, you know, like, that's that's great. And then it, it was only six months into it, someone told us, oh, um, I'm just doing my accounts. When are your accounts due? We were like, what accounts? And they were like, oh, so your accounts, you know, at the end of the year? And we were like, but we haven't done anything. And they were like, oh, okay, so I'm just going to leave you with that because I've got to get on with my work. And when I mean, like, we literally Googled what that meant. And we were learning on the job nonstop. Like, every day was like, Google this, YouTube that, Google this, YouTube that. And this is when I I love technology. I'm just like, honestly, right now, anyone in the world who has an internet connection and a laptop, the world is your literal oyster. And sometimes it's so overwhelming. And in fact, you find that you don't do anything because you're just too overwhelmed. But yeah, we learn on the job. That was how we, that was the day we registered and, and how it went. We did nothing for six months. And then six months in, we were like, okay, we think we need to sit down and kind of, understand what the heck like we're doing here now uh what our services are you know what we want to offer women of color and then since then yeah like since that moment we started running small events every six weeks it was called girls night in we would put on like a an evening of food music vibes get women of color to come and hang out and kind of build a community uh themselves actually make friends connect network and that was our first ever project yeah oh my goodness it's just so interesting how you know how it all happens in the early days you know I think people would look at you Amna and think oh my goodness you're Forbes under 30 TEDx speaker like the list goes on like she must have just had it from day one you know they need to listen to this podcast I've got a couple final questions for you. And mm-hmm. I guess the first one is talk to us a bit about that transition from like we're young, early 20 somethings, you know, trying to just <laughs> cut, run some nights in, you know, girls' nights in to this is a full blown enterprise and, and non for profit that mm-hmm. we're running. It's now my full time job and can sustain my living. Like, how does that even happen? Oh, it's so scary. It's oh, so like scary. It's honestly very scary because you know when you're responsible for your paycheck, it's a whole different mm, game. A different game. Right. So you're just like, okay, so every day matters. Like mm. not understanding business, not understanding the third sector, not understanding nonprofits, basically not understanding much, but just having a passion. <laughs> and then we both, had the passion i'm more of a creative and kieran is more of a logistical brain and like practical and numbers and kind well not numbers she's had to kind of become a numbers person (laughs) it was very difficult because 
we both didn't understand. So we're looking at each other like, well, who's going to take this job at this part of the company? And then it was literally a, a roll your sleeves up moment and mm-hmm. literally just Google things as we're going along. And that was so difficult, so scary because it's not, it's not just a fun college project. This mm-hmm. is a, this is a company. Even in the first year, it's like, oh, God, if I do anything wrong, I don't want the government knocking on my door. <laughs> like, I don't want to go to jail. Um, I don't want to do something wrong. I don't want to, because of my ill understanding. Like, what if I, if I, I don't know, like, someone was like, oh, do you have public liability? And I was mm. like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> like, honestly, what does that mean? I just felt like I was such a kid still. And because I did ha- didn't have any experience or build up, like I'd, I wasn't doing a business degree where there was a build up of three years of learning the jargon and learning all the different terms. And so I guess it was a moment of, okay, this is, if this is what I'm going to be doing day in, day out, I need to learn. Like I need to get on with it and I need to learn. So we started taking that more seriously and we were like, okay, we're committed to this. We're going to make it happen. We're going to see it through. But when we understood that we were able to have government funding, that was enticing. We were like, okay, so we don't really need to sell a product or a service. Okay, we'll just get money, like kind of we'll apply for funds and get funds and then keep doing our our, our job. But we soon realized that with that, they don't fund your salaries. It's like they want you to get your salaries sorted and then it's like you'll fund your projects or your initiatives or your programs for you to keep doing the work that was a slight problem so we actually ran girl dreamer with our own savings to begin with and i mean there wasn't much there was like four grand and like about uh, five six grand um and we would use money from there to to live off for ourselves um and then to to run girl dreamer and put on these events and do different initiatives and buy things for women of color and then we were realizing this isn't how you do it. Like our money's running out. Like when I mean literally, it was like a film. It was like how how dumb could you be? So it was it was a whole learning journey. And I think in 2019 is when it became official. It became serious. It became like yeah, just official. I was on a paycheck, and then Kieran joined me shortly. Like it, there was a flow of of income of money. It was like coming in going out coming in going out and the in and out motion made us realize oh okay we're official now like there's not just a big gap of going out and nothing coming (laughs) in like it makes sense now we started getting very networked kieran's really good on twitter um and she's like connecting with a lot of organizations and companies and became very credible and built up a a really good reputation and then people wanted to book us for consulting um and then she would handle that and I would be running Instagram at the time and building the community side of things. So we found our our strengths and we, we just ran with it. So I kind of took the more being there with, with our community and she took the services side of stuff. To, yeah, 2019 is when I would say it got serious. Oh my goodness. And serious, yeah, and serious it got. I mean, you know, as I mentioned before, you five years deep, just absolute kudos to you guys. Five years deep, so much recognition under your belt for all of your work. You know, as I mentioned, featured on Forbes 30 under 30, you became a TEDx speaker, so many good things. You know, what are three key pieces of advice that you would give our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out? I always love and hate this question when people ask me because I have so much to say, but then I'm, I'm conscious that like I can't take up an hour of someone's time. Um, I think the first one would be to, to, to feel joy in everything you do. I feel like we take so much of life too seriously before you know it, like that moment's gone or that time's passed and you kind of wish you, you just reminisce on it a lot. You kind of, hold that idea and that feeling in your head and you keep playing it back playing it back to keep connected with it or I don't know like find those lessons in it and I feel like we need to be more conscious of it in the moment and just enjoy it even if it's something difficult make it fun so like I had this thing where I would have challenges like 
like quite tough ones and I just turn it into a game so it's more <laughs> it's more easy and digestible for me and I just turn it into like fun and anytime now at Girl Dreamer if I'm not feeling joyous or I'm not feeling like it's fun I take a break so mm. like if I'm not feeling like it's fun today like I'll take a break I'll step back and you know just take a day off or go on a walk or come back when it feels fun and that's not to say like you should only work when things are good or when things are fun but that's a personal thing for me where I need to feel like I'm feeling like my bones are happy like that inner mm. happiness so that's the first thing I would I would say the second thing is take your time Again, going back to that hustle culture where you've got to make it before you're like 12 and you've got to have like a penthouse in like somewhere um, by 15. Yeah. (laughs) And it's getting worse day by day. Like my nephews who are like 19 and 16 now, they're just like, mom, I need to make a million dollars, a million pounds. And my sister's just like, whoa, like calm down there. Like you need to go to university first and you need to continue with your, with your studies. But because of what, how, what we're exposed to and mm. like, you know, just how technology works and how you can make money off of, you know, having a phone in your hand, I feel like it's, it's detrimental. Um, and it's to know that it's okay to take your time and things mm. take time. Like, cooking a dish or mowing a lawn or you know doing something it doesn't just magic itself like Mm -hmm. every single thing has its own respective time and Mm -hmm. let that time play its play its course and and and, you know happen and the third thing i would say is be authentic i can't even stress enough how much we perform like as society Mm -hmm. as people as just yeah performative culture is just not a vibe for me i feel like be like being authentically you is is less exhausting and i think i like things that are not exhausting because why is it exhausting and for what like i'm sorry why am i having to perform in a certain way not because you told me to but because i'm telling myself i need to do this thing in a certain way i feel like and i said this to one of my friends i'll quickly mention it is that you know when corporate culture became a thing like when you think like let's be real like um america does things and then the world follows america right (laughs) so in like 80s 90s when like for me anyway i feel like it was then when like corporate culture was like on 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 a whole different level and booming it's like it trickles down into society and we all have to kind of assimilate and become these like you know shake hands like this and wear suits like this and and now it's like you go into meetings in like a hoodie and and like a a pair of joggers or and it's claiming that to to make it you to make it fine to make it okay like maybe we don't need to wear a three-piece suit and like Mm -hmm. you know stand like this and network like that maybe what does networking mean today it needs to be relevant and and okay for today are we still doing things that are coming from 80s, 90s, like corporate culture kind of start then? And if those things were happening, maybe it was okay for those environments. But what's your environment? Like being conscious of that and doing what you, you can and should do for where you are is, is an important one. I'm not. Honestly, it's just been so, so interesting. So before we come to the close of today's episode, I want to take a moment to acknowledge you, Amna, for the amazing work you've done and that you're doing, you know, for showing us that it's okay to chase our dreams, to have big goals and to do what feels right for us. And for that, we really appreciate you. Thank you so much. And can I just say thank you for having me? And I absolutely love your voice. You have the perfect podcast voice. It's like you you need to have like a series on Calm or some sort of app where you just read bedtime stories because I'm trying to stay like aware right now. What are my answers? And that your voice honestly is so soothing. And yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. <laughs> so, the, of course, so the final question is how we finish every episode of mm-hmm. the Peers to Peers podcast. And that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? I think it goes to back to living your truth. The value of that is that you are living your absolute truth. Yeah, I'm just going to mic drop it there. I'm not going to add to that. <laughs> I'm not going to elaborate. Just, yeah, you're living your truth. 
Amazing. <laughs> Amna. Oh my goodness. We've had an absolute blast. Thank you so much. Thank Where you. can we learn more about you and Girl Dreamer? You can learn more about Girl Dreamer at girldreamer.co.uk and Hey Girl Dreamer on all social media platforms. Um, and you can learn more about me on Aesthetically Amna. I currently, I'm off social media, but I have a website, I have a newsletter. So if anyone's interested, you can find me there. Amazing. We'll link them up in the show notes. Thank you so much again. Thank you. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Remember, Peers, we're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Peers, that's a wrap. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest beer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review. We produce with passion, and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers. <laughs>